0: Well, it
1: is a special conversation here on the announcer schedules podcast. I'm TJ Reeves hanging here with Phil demont Mullen, and it is our pleasure to welcome in. She was right off the call in the women's NCAA tournament of the Miami upset over Indiana in Bloomington earlier this week on the ESPN family of networks. Uh, But Brenda Van Lingen is right here, right now on the announcer schedules podcast I guess the first thing is, it's been a couple of days. Has it sunk in that you called and we watched what you called and what we watched with Miami pulling that upset against the number one seed? Welcome.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I guess it sunk in. I mean, uh, I've gone back and, and watched uh, most of the game again and just thought about it and how exciting that it was on all the network morning shows, uh, the finish of our game. It was just an incredible game. The effort by Miami was incredible and Indiana had so many uh, chances. It's, it's just uh, amazing to go back and look at what happened.
1: Phil Phil and I both love diving into this part and I do a lot of play by play at what point are you grasping Miami can maybe do this? And then you've got a crazy sequence at the end of the game where Miami scores for the lead and Indiana doesn't have a timeout. Take us through the process of Miami could do this. Miami may be about to do this and you're having to call it while it happens on the fly.
2: Yeah, it it was such an interesting game because in the first round, Miami had not played well in the first half and came through and outscored Oklahoma State in the second half to win the game. And so I talked about that a lot on the first part of the Indiana game because they got a great start against Indiana, and they really had the Hoosiers on their heels the whole game. And I, the whole time, I felt like Indiana was going to come back at any time, and then they made that run in the third quarter, but they never could in the third quarter tie it and they never went ahead. And so early in the fourth quarter, uh, I at a timeout, I actually wrote down what I wanted to say at the end of the game, if Miami would pull off the upset, because I find that helps me make sure I'm focused and, and say what I want to say. Uh, So I had written it down with about what, what, at one of the early media timeouts in the fourth quarter, just in case. And And then I kept bringing it up in the broadcast that Indiana still hasn't pulled ahead. Now they tied it, they couldn't hit a free throw to go ahead and then they were down one several times and never could take the lead. So I I know that's such a mental part of the game and I, I feel like Indiana just was struggling. But then, in answer to your question, when Indiana ties it, with the big three, and then they had an opportunity to go ahead after the missed free throws, and then they miss it. And then the free throws by Miami. I mean, there were so many things that happened in the last minute of that game. It was crazy. And then Garzone hits the step-back three to tie it with 6.6 seconds remaining, and you're thinking we could go to overtime, but that's still a lot of time for Miami, and will Indiana get a stop? And so Miami inbounds it, the The score, Harden scores it in the paint. I look at the clock, it's 3.3 seconds remaining. Earlier this year, I had a game where Vandy came all the way back against Arkansas and Vandy tied it. And with almost the exact same amount of time, Arkansas drove down the court and banked in a three and won the game. So it was almost the exact scenario that I had had earlier. I looked, I I reminded that there were no timeouts left for Indiana. Followed uh, Moore McNeil down the court. Looked like she had a path on the right side. She went on the left. The ball was stolen away and the upset happened. Another number one went down in the second round and Miami pulled off the upset. So it was just a a remarkable set of sequences uh, in, in the last really 30 seconds or so of that game
3: yeah and brenda you you mentioned writing yourself that note during one of the breaks you know your analyst alongside you holly warlick and then you know of course you're in communication with the truck and the the producer and so forth you know can you tell take us even further as far as perhaps during the breaks and these moments where you guys can game plan a bit what that was like those last few minutes
2: uh, yeah, let me think through a little bit. I, I, you know, we're we're trying to make sure that all the storylines are covered, uh, that we've hit everything. Um, you know, I don't know if we even really talked about specifically what if Miami <laughs> wins this game. Uh, we we kind of set aside a couple of things that we were thinking about doing because the game was too good. Um, you know, the Cavender twins have this incredible social media presence. And uh, we were going to do kind of a fun uh, spoof on that, that they, you know, that Holly and I on our social media presence were gaining on them. You know, we have 824 between us and Holly has one and I have 823. (laughs) We're going to do something fun with that, but we didn't do that because the game was too good. And um, so, you know, we talked more about those things and just the actual statistics that were happening and and i just mentioned i you know holly and i were talking about the fact that it's such a mental thing that if a team comes back and can't take the lead it just gets harder and harder throughout the game so i I think that's mainly what we discussed in the in the breaks
3: and brenda if we can take it a you know more big picture um in full disclosure, I'm a Miami guy all the way around. Like, I grew up a Miami fan. <laughs> I got to work in the sports information office in the late 90s. Actually, was the women's basketball contact for a year with Coach Fern Labate, if you remember her. I did. And, you know, when I think about women's basketball and when I was kind of working with it closely back then, the sport has grown so much i mean, in in so many ways as far as you know the attention it gets the resources it gets and so forth and i'm sure we can we can tackle that from a you know a big picture level but what i'd like to ask you is as a broadcaster the resources you know compared to when you started in television covering women's basketball and sort of you know maybe it was an afterthought of sorts back then for a lot of folks but what it's become today and the resources that are coming your way i'm sure sh- i know we're not completely there yet, but we've come a long way.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's so exciting. The very first year that I called an NCAA tournament game was in 1996. Uh, it was my first year out of coaching, and um, I had done three games for Nebraska Public Television. That's how I got my start, and that was the year before the Big 12 was formed, and so Texas was placed in Lawrence, Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse, The first round games were not televised, um, but ESPN reached out to Kansas and said, if Texas and Kansas both advanced to the second round, could you have a local production crew broadcast the game and we'll cut in from the national feed? And so that's how I got on my first NCAA tournament broadcast was Texas and Kansas did both advance, uh, we did a at the, I think it was called ESPN regional at the time, uh, did a ESPN regional broadcast of the game. And near the end of the game, Robin Roberts was still in the studio and she cut out to the site. And I, I made my national appearance on the NCAA tournament on my fourth game that I ever broadcast, Wow! Uh, you know, and I, but I was only on nationally for probably like five minutes, but it was a really good game itself. So over the years, we got to you know,
1: stop you on that. You got to have a moment reflecting on that. Going, is this really happening? That's Robin Roberts from ESPN throwing this to me to call the game. When you reflect on that, reflect a little more.
2: It, it, I mean, I was so nervous and juiced, and I remember my heart just pounding in my chest. And it was such a cool thing. We at the so at the time, we couldn't hear the throw, but we knew they were throwing. The funny thing about that, the other story is. Uh, She mispronounced my name um, because, uh, you know, for whatever reason, she didn't get the right pronunciation. And uh, all my friends laughed at me and joked with me afterwards because she introduced us and say, hey, we're going out to Allen Fieldhouse. A great game between Texas and Kansas. Dave Armstrong and Brenda Von Longen. And so <laughs> for a long time, so a lot of my friends called me Brenda Von Longen because that's how I got introduced on my first uh, throw, uh, my first toss in the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, but it was it was amazing. And I know I was speaking 100 miles a minute uh, in that game. Just I was the analyst. And, uh, you know, Dave Armstrong was a pro. And, and so I was like jumping in, trying to say all this stuff. I, I know I was kind of crazy uh, excited and nervous in that game. But over the years, you know, they didn't bro- start broadcasting the first round games for quite a while. I think when I got back and did some games in 99, 2000, 2001, we just did second round games at that point. And then there were a few years where they moved um, eight teams to a site in the first and second rounds. And so you had to prepare for eight teams and all those games at one site. And then, you know, when we finally, a few years ago, got all of the games televised. So if you, you know, then the evolution was a few were streamed and then, uh, and then ultimately, or, or they cut in, um, they televised them at the same time, but you didn't see nationally all the games you just saw cut-ins, or if you were in your regional area, you saw it, right? That was kind of that next evolution. And then now, finally, the last couple of years, all of the games are on national television. So, you know, that's that's been terrific to see. Good good producers, they still do some Remy productions, which means the producers aren't on site, and that always causes some challenges. Uh, but it's it's certainly grown a lot in, in all the years. It's my 28th year of uh, broadcasting.
1: Wow. I don't know that Phil knows this, but watch this, Brenda. Young TJ was the student play-by-play person at then Memphis State. Phil, I don't know that you and I have talked about this at any point off the year, much less on announcer schedules, podcasts, et cetera. So I was the radio guy, and you may remember this name, Brenda. Mary Lou Johns was the longtime Memphis State coach, a 500-game winner at yeah. Memphis State, and Phil's nodding along, too. So I cut my teeth in the women's game 30-plus years ago as well, around the time of your playing career and it has come light years forward in terms of interest in terms of technology another thing that phil and i and i think the audience will be interested in you mentioned being an analyst and your background of being a player and being a coach you've now transitioned to being a play-by-play person that's not the easiest thing to do how have you found that how much more comfortable have you gotten what's the difference in the role in lightness some on that
2: Yeah, and I still do both. Um, I probably did about 30 games play-by-play this year and about 15 as an analyst. So in in the course of the same year, um, depends on what network I'm working for, what role I play. So I was an analyst uh, out of my coaching career for the first probably 15 years or so and um, love breaking down the X's and O's, describing the stories, elevating women's sports, just absolutely loved it. And then I was asked by several different networks, what I consider doing play by play. And at first I was like, no, no way, <laughs> no way. I don't have training on that. Not, not really not comfortable. And, um, I did a few smaller tournaments, like a, an Island tournament where I did both. So it kind of gave me the chance to do play by play and analyst combined. And so then I started, um, around two 2000- thousand eight or nine or 10, somewhere in there. And I started doing play-by-play for Fox Sports because I was on the big 12 package, but they wanted to get me more games. And they said, we can get you more games if you're the play-by-play announcer. So, I mean, I really learned on the fly. And, and, um, I remember the first game, it was Cal and Texas A&M, not two small teams, not two small universities. And that was my first national play-by-play. And, uh, the ball goes up and I'm like, Oh, wait, I think I'm supposed to be talking now. <laughs> <laughs> and so it took me time. Uh, and and after three years, Fox Sports said, you know what? We'd rather have you be, go back to being the analyst. And at the same time, ESPN said, oh, you do play-by-play? And so at that time, I shifted. That was about 10 years ago. And so since then, I've done all-play-by-play for ESPN. And any other, whether it's Fox Sports or Big Ten Network or any third-tier games, uh, I do. I'm the analyst. And, and so they're very different. They're, the preparation's different. I always say my brain has to think completely differently when I'm in each role. Uh, when I'm the analyst, I can sit back, observe, uh, watch things develop, um, predict how they're going to develop, break down the X's and O's. As a former player and coach, I love it. Uh, I, I also say being a play-by-play announcer for me is work. Being an analyst is fun. So uh play by play you have to be on top of things you have to know the the score the fouls the situation the setup you say what is happening de- describe you you describe what is happening and the analyst describes the how and the why and um and so it, it's a completely different mindset and honestly it's been a real challenge for me over the years and I feel like in the last few years, I'm just kind of coming into my own as a play-by-play announcer. I'm not a traditional play-by-play announcer. I don't think I sound like any play-by-play announcers out there that are like classically trained in it. I'm a former analyst and coach that's now a play-by-play and I try to bring those strengths to my role um, and not be an analyst, but try to set up my analyst uh, in ways that I know will be helpful to them. I've been assigned a lot of rookies Uh, To work with in the broadcasting field. Uh, I've worked with um, Candace Parker in one of her very first games on TV. Asia Wilson, who, you know, won with the, the Aces in the WNBA. I did one of her first games. Andrea Carter, who is now a big star for ESPN. I was with her on her very first games. Uh, Holly Warlick, who's just out of coaching uh, and has never done broadcasting. So I've broken in a lot of people into the broadcast field, and uh, being play-by-play has allowed me to work with some incredible talent in, in this field.
1: The conversation shall continue in a couple of moments. First, let's tell you about our friends at BetUS who want to give you, yes, you, a $50 free bet this weekend for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight by using their online service, they're America's favorite sports book, and you want to take advantage of this offer. Get a free bet with our promo code BRACKET23. 23. BRACKET23 23 gets you a free $50 bet for the NCAA tournament. You can really use it on anything you want. But why would you not use it on March Madness with all these Sweet 16 games, whether it's Alabama and San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, Tennessee, Xavier, Texas, Gonzaga, UCLA, UConn, Arkansas, on and on. A free $50 bet awaits you at BetUS. They've got outstanding coverage of all of the sports. They've been America's favorite sports book for going on 30 years. You bet you win. You get paid with BetUS. Free bet awaits you. Use our promo code BRACKET23 for that free bet. BRACKET23 gets you a free $50 bet for the March Madness coverage with BetUS.
3: Awesome stuff. Really commend you, Brenda, for for stepping into that play-by-play role as well. You know, you mentioned Dave Armstrong. When you think back to the partners that you worked with, the play-by-players you worked with when you were an analyst over the years, are there some that come to mind as far as you sort of taking some maybe tips of the trade from them or, you know, kind of saying, hey, I remember when such and such, you know, and and how he prepared or how she prepared and, and, and approached the game?
2: Absolutely. Thank you for asking that. Yes. Dave Armstrong was one of my first in that setting. Kevin Kugler, who a lot of people know, he and I got our starts basically together at Nebraska public television. So it's so fun to see what he's done. Bill Dolman also back at uh, Nebraska public television. But when I got onto the fort, uh, the Fox sports package, Bill land, who now does all the games for the San Antonio Spurs and was a, um, you know, a legend really, uh, in television I learned so much from Bill about because I was the rookie working with him and he really guided me helping me set up the games and and I always noticed how when I would say something he would back me up with stats or he would uh, he would bookend it with things that kind of didn't just leave my comment hanging in the air but he would kind of close, you know, bookend it. And I just was always appreciative of that. And that was something that I always had in mind. I work with uh, Kevin Eschenfelder, who also does uh, Houston Astros games. And then most recently uh, with Ron Thulin, who he and I uh, worked together for 10 years on Fox Sports. And um, he he uh, he's the best. Uh, I just love Ron to death. His preparation um, is unequaled. Uh, as far as he prepares for games and how he sets up his analyst and he just is a, a tremendous talent and a great friend. And I really miss, really miss working with him. And, you know, right after the big 12 championship ended and I called the Iowa state big 12 championship title game. He was the first one to text me and said, you nailed it. You did a great job. And, uh, I just, I miss working with him. I learned so much from him and he's still working hard at it. And, uh, Uh, Thank you for asking me. I've worked with a lot of really good play-by-play guys.
1: This has been fantastic stuff, Brenda. We love getting to know more about broadcasters, their stories. Again, you're a a former star player. You've been an administrator. Now you're in the role as an analyst. And again, I say to the audience, people think the play-by-play part of it is easy. And Brenda's (laughs) nodding along until you start trying to grasp what all you have to grasp to call a game. Uh, on on television much less call it on radio where they allegedly can't see what's going on and you're having to call it so bravo to you uh, bravo for the job that you did the other night and the drama continues now this weekend with the women's tournament right turn it up another notch or two because they've had fantastic finishes over and over again in the final four and championship games why do i get the feeling we're going to get much of the same elite eight final four title game right get ready
2: I, I think so I mean two number one seeds have already been eliminated so uh I think there's I think there's a lot of parity in the game I definitely think it's South Carolina's to to lose at this point but you know they've had a lot of teams that have pushed them at least in the first halves and they have to shoot well and and wear teams down with their their depth and their uh great a, a variety diversity of talents uh so I think it's theirs to lose but I, I think there's still some big uh big games and big moments and finishes to come up
3: and, Brenda, what's coming up next for you personally? You know, of course, in offseason, I'm sure there's there's chances to to recharge the batteries, hopefully. But, you know, tell us what's on deck for you.
2: Well, I have been working on a documentary series for the last couple of years called If Not For Them. And it's the story of those that built the foundation for college women's basketball. If not for them, we would not have have what we do today. And so, over the last couple of years, I've raised money to conduct over 100 interviews across the country, interviewing women that played and coached and were administrators in the 50s, 60s, and 70s before uh, the NCAA took over and those that had to battle the early battles of Title IX. And um, after those, after I completed those interviews last fall, um, I started putting together a preview of each of the 10 episodes, and we're going to showcase it. At the Final Four this year, March 30th in Dallas, um, at a, a private viewing. But anybody that's a contributor uh, that goes to ifnotforthem.com dot com and makes a contribution is invited. Uh, but we're going to show a, a preview of each of the ten episodes. <laughs> Uh, each of the 10 episodes of uh, that, and uh, then try to get a funder for the rest of the project. And I'm really proud of it and I'm really excited about it. So if you get a chance, check out ifnotforthem.com because it's an amazing effort to preserve and share the history of women's basketball, the hidden figures of women's basketball that many people don't know about, have never heard of or um have forgotten and it's it's a great project so thanks for asking
1: love it great stuff phil we've enjoyed this uh with uh brenda van lingen uh tremendous uh here on the announcer schedules podcast anything else in closing phil here for brenda
3: no i i think it's just fantastic to have you on i mean it's it's really fascinating moving from that analyst to play by play role so thank you for you know bringing us behind the curtain there a bit and hey, what a game you got to call, this Indiana-Miami classic. You know, that's one that that's be remembered for a long, long time in the, the women's college basketball ranks.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful to have the opportunities that I do. And, you know, it just amazes me sometimes that I've done this for 28 years now, and I get the best seat in the house to, to tell the stories of these young women and describe what's happening on the court and just— to share it and elevate women's basketball and i appreciate being on your show today to be able to talk about it a little bit so thanks so much